0: Chapter 7 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila, Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce. It is strange to see how impassioned this love is, how many tears, penances, and prayers it costs. How careful is the loving soul to commend the object of its affection to all who thinks it may prevail with God and to ask them to intercede with Him for it. And how constant is its longing so that it cannot be happy unless it sees that its loved one is making progress. If that soul seems to have advanced, and is then seen to fall some way back. Her friend seems to have no pleasure in life. She neither eats nor sleeps, is never free from this fear, and is always afraid that the soul whom she loves so much may be lost, and that the two may be parted forever. She cares nothing for physical death, but she will not suffer herself to be attached to something which a puff of wind may carry away, so that she is unable to retain her hold upon it. This, as I have said, is love without any degree whatsoever of self-interest. All that the soul wishes and desires is to see the soul it loves enriched with blessings from heaven. This is love. Quite unlike our ill-starved earthly affections, to say nothing of the illicit affections from which may God keep us free. These last affections are a very hell, And it is needless for us to weary ourselves by saying how evil they are. For the least of these evils which they bring are terrible beyond exaggeration. There is no need for us to ever take such things upon our lips, sisters, or even think of them, or to remember that they exist anywhere in the world. You must never listen to anyone speaking of such affections, either in jest or in earnest nor allow them to be mentioned or discussed in your presence. No good can come from our doing this, and it might do us harm even to hear them mentioned. But with regard to the lawful affections which, as I have said, we may have for each other or for relatives and friends, it is different. Our whole desire is that they should not die. If their heads ache, our souls seem to ache too. And if we see them in distress, we are unable, as people say, to sit still under it, and so on. This is not so with spiritual affection. Although the weakness of our nature may at first allow us to feel something of all this, our reason soon begins to reflect whether our friend's trials are not good for her, and to wonder if they are making her richer in virtue And how she is bearing them. And then we shall ask God to give her patience so that she may win her merit. If we see that she is being patient, we feel no distress. Indeed, we are gladdened and consoled. If all the merit and gain which suffering is capable of producing could be made over to her, we should still prefer suffering her trial ourselves to seeing her suffer it. But we are not worried. disquieted. I repeat once more that this love is a similitude and copy of which was born for us by the good lover Jesus. It is for that reason that it brings us such immense benefits for it makes us embrace every kind of suffering so that others without having to endure the suffering may gain its advantages. The recipients of this friendship then profit greatly but their friends should realize that either this intercourse, I mean this exclusive friendship, must come to an end, or that they must prevail upon our Lord that their friend may walk in the same way as themselves as St. Monica prevailed with him for St. Augustine. Their heart does not allow them to practice duplicity. If they see their friend straying from the road or committing any faults, they will speak to her about it. They cannot allow themselves to do anything else. And if, after this, the loved one does not amend, they will not flatter her or hide anything from her. Either then she will amend, or their friendship will cease. For otherwise they would be unable to endure it, nor is it in fact endurable. It would mean continual war for both parties. A person may be indifferent to all other people in the world and not worry whether they are serving God or not, since the person she has to worry about is herself. But she cannot take this attitude with her friends. Nothing they do can be hidden from her. She sees the smallest mote in them. This, I repeat, is a very heavy cross for her to bear. Happy the souls that are loved by such as these. Happy the day on which they come to know them. O my Lord, wilt thou not grant me the favor of giving me many who have such love for me? Truly, Lord, I would rather have this than be loved by all the kings and lords of the world, and rightly so, for such friends use every means in their power to make us lords of the whole world and to have all that is in it subject to us. When we make the acquaintances of such persons, sisters, The mother priors should employ every possible effort to keep you in touch with them. Love such persons as much as you like. There can be very few of them, but nonetheless it is the Lord's will that their goodness should be known. When one of you is striving after perfection, she will at once be told that she has no need to know such people, that it is enough for her to have God. But to get to know God's friends is a very good way of having him. As I have discovered by experience, it is most helpful. For under the Lord, I owe it to such persons that I am not in hell. I was always very fond of asking them to commend me to God, and so I prevailed upon them to do so. Let us now return to what we were saying. It is this kind of love which I should like us to have. At first, it may not be perfect, but the Lord will make it increasingly so. Let us begin with the methods of obtaining it. At first, it may be mingled with emotion, but this, as a rule, will do no harm. It is sometimes good and necessary for us to show emotion in our love, and also to feel it, and to be distressed by some of our sisters' trials and weaknesses, however trivial they may be. For, on one occasion, as much distress may be caused by quite a small matter as would be caused by another of some great trial, and there are people whose nature it is to be very much cast down by small things. If you are not like this, do not neglect to have compassion on others. It may be that our Lord wishes to spare us these sufferings and will give us sufferings of another kind which seem heavy to us, though to the person already mentioned they may seem light. In these matters, then, we must not judge others by ourselves, nor think of ourselves as we have been at some time when, perhaps without any effort on our part, the Lord has made us stronger than they. Let us think of what we were like at the times when we have been weakest. Note the importance of this advice for those of us who would learn to sympathize with our neighbor's trials, however trivial these may be. It is especially important for such souls as have been described, for desiring trials as they do, they make light of them all. And they must therefore try hard to recall what they were like when they were weak, and reflect that, if they are no longer so, it is not due to themselves. For otherwise, little by little, the devil could easily cool our charity toward our neighbors and make us think that what is really a failing on our part is perfection. In every respect, we must be careful and alert, for the devil never slumbers. And the nearer we are to perfection, the more careful we must be, since his temptations are then much more cunning because there are no others that he dares send us. And, as if I say, we are not cautious, the harm is done before we realize it. In short, we must always watch and pray, for there is no better way than prayer of revealing these hidden wiles of the devil and making him declare his presence. Contrive always, even if you do not care for it, to take part in your sister's necessary recreation and to do so for the whole of the allotted time, for all considerate treatment of them is part of perfect love. It is a very good thing for us to take compassion on others' needs. See that you show no lack of discretion about things which are contrary to obedience, though privately you may think the prioress's orders harsh ones. Do not allow this to be noticed or tell anyone about it, except that you may speak of it with all humility to the priors herself. For if you did so, you would be doing a great deal of harm. Get to know the things in your sisters which you should be sorry to see and those about which you should sympathize with them, and always show your grief at any notorious fault which you may see in one of them. It is a good proof and test of our love if we can bear with such faults and not be shocked by them. Others, in their turn, will bear with your faults, which, if you include those of which you are not aware, must be much more numerous. Often commend to God any sister who is at fault, and strive for your own part to practice the virtue which is the opposite of her fault with great perfection. Make determined efforts to do this so that you may teach your sister by your deeds what perhaps she could never learn by words or gain by punishment. The habit of performing some conspicuously virtuous action through seeing it performed by another is one which very easily takes root. This is good advice. Do not forget it. Oh, how true and genuine will be the love of a sister who can bring profit to everyone by sacrificing her own profit to that of the rest. She will make a great advance in each of the virtues and keep her rule with great perfection. This will be a much truer kind of friendship than the one which uses every possible loving expression, such as are not used and must not be used in this house. My life, my love, my my darling, and such like things, one or another of which people are always saying. Let such endearing words be kept for your spouse, for you will be so often and so much alone with him that you will want to make use of them all, and this his majesty permits you. If you use them among yourselves, they will not move the Lord so much. And quite apart from that, there is no reason why you should do so. They are very effeminate. I should not like you to be that, or even appear to be that, in any way, my daughters. I want you to be very strong men. If you do all that is in you, the Lord will make you so manly that men themselves will be amazed at you. And how easy is this for His Majesty, who made us out of nothing at all. It is also a very clear sign of love to try to spare others' household work by taking it upon oneself, and also to rejoice and give great praise to the Lord if you see any increase in their virtues. All such things, quite apart from the intrinsic good they bring, add greatly to the peace and concord which we have among ourselves, as though through the goodness of God we can now see by experience. May His Majesty be pleased ever to increase it, for it would be terrible if it did not exist, and very awkward if, when there are so few of us, we got on badly together. May God forbid that. If one of you should be cross with another because of some hasty word, the matter must at once be put right, and you must betake yourselves to earnest prayer. The same applies to the harboring of any grudge, or to party strife, or to the desire to be greatest or to any nice point concerning your honor. My blood seems to run cold as I write this at the very idea that this could ever happen, but I know it is the chief trouble in convents. If it should happen to you, consider yourselves lost. Just reflect and realize that you have driven your spouse from his home. You will have to go and seek another abode, since you are driving him from his own house. Cry aloud to his majesty and try to put things right. And if frequent confessions and communions do not mend them, you may well fear that there is some Judas among you. For the love of God, let the prioress be most careful not to allow this to occur. She must put a stop to it at the very outset. And if love will not suffice, she must use heavy punishments. For here we have the whole of the mischief and the remedy. If you gather that any of the nuns is making trouble, see that she is sent to some other convent, and God will provide them with a dowry for her. Drive away this plague. Cut off the branches as well as you can, and if that is not sufficient, pull up the roots. If you cannot do this, shut up any one who is guilty of such things, and forbid her to leave her cell. Far better this than that all the nuns should catch so incurable a plague. Oh, what a great evil is this. God deliver us from a convent into which it enters." I would rather our convent caught fire and we were all burned alive, as this is so important. I think I shall say a little more about it elsewhere, so I will not write at great length here, except to say, provided they treat each other equally, I would rather that the nuns showed a tender and affectionate love and a regard for each other, even though there is less perfection in this than in the love that I have described, than that there were a single note of discord to be heard among them. May the Lord forbid this for his own sake. Amen.